Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Culture Club. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It's the evening runway. I'm Elliot Danker. Time now for Culture Club. Let's talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic has changed everything for the global populace. I mean, its impact has forced people in every industry to flex and evolve in real time and with lasting effects that will endure in the long term. And these changes can be felt in every domain, all right, from architecture, agriculture, apparel, aviation, automobiles. And today we are going to talk about the architectural space and how that space is evolving. On the line with me is Patrick Fayer, the CEO of BNH Architects. Patrick, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great, Elliot. Pleasure to be on this show. So uh, I understand you are going to be in Singapore as a speaker at the World Architecture Festival. That's happening on the 30th of November. Tell us a bit, little bit about what you'll be covering. For sure. I'll actually be talking about collaborating for success and how, as architects, engineers, and designers, how we collaborate internally as well as with a series of other experts to pursue and develop some pretty extraordinary architectural designs. Yeah, the world of architecture really is quite fascinating. Okay, let's talk a bit about BNH Architects. Tell us a bit about some of the notable projects that you've done around the world. B plus H is uh, celebrating 70 years of design, and we've started off as really based out of Toronto and helped shape the Toronto skyline with working with notable international architects at that time. But we've done everything from the Museum of uh, Working Collaboration with the Museum, uh, Museum of Natural History in Shenzhen, all so we've actually designed Toronto Aquarium, the new patient support center for the Hospital for Sick Children, working on the LCBO headquarters as well as the Irving Oil headquarters. So commercial office office buildings that we've done sort of pre-COVID have now changed into a series of more mixed-use projects and residential projects. What's the presence like here in Singapore then? Singapore, we actually, we've, we've been in Singapore for quite a while. Our focus mm. in, in Singapore has been healthcare-related projects, innovative buildings for the Changi Hospital, as, okay. as well as Singapore Power. So we've, we have had presence and continue to have presence in, in Singapore. All right. Now, let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the trends that B plus H Architects is observing. What can you tell us about that, especially you know, on the back of this resurgence of global travel? Well, in terms of trends and sort of one of the things that I'll be talking about at the World Architecture Festival is just sort of the challenging times that we've worked in, you know, from climate change to challenges with affordability, conflict, as well as the sort of deployment of rapid AI. So that really has made us look internally for our own processes in terms of how we collaborate. Of course, aims to sort of go from sustainable buildings to more regenerative buildings has been something that we've been really inspired by Atelier 10, one of our sister companies within within the SJ group. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the smart tools that we use to expedite the design process have been interesting in terms of allowing us to collaborate in different time zones, harness a little bit of machine learning to develop complex parametric models to sort of push our design ideas. Patrick, I think one of the things we've observed as well is that different regions take up or adopt technology at different pace. What does that do when it comes to working with partners in, say, North America versus Asia? 
that's a, that's a good question. It is interesting. I mean, technology can also be a way of, of bringing people together, especially when we talk about technology in terms of knowledge sharing. There are aspects that we have certain pockets of excellence where 3D modeling or running grasshopper scripts, these are kind of, and using software like Rhino. In, in some cases, that deployment of that software is dependent on where individuals went to design school. But there is usually a way in terms of the output from that software that allows us to provide sort of a collective critique to still advance the design. So we, there's workaround solutions in ways that we can combat that. But there would be a time where early users of, of BIM and Revit software, kind of more complex 3D modeling software was, was done in North America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Asia was slow to adopt that and was a little bit more focused in AutoCAD and 2D. But in some aspects, there's a bit of a flip where there are certain elements where, you know, Asia has, you know, from a visualization standpoint, harnessing technology like augmented reality and visualization has, has been ahead. So we kind of end up as a team trying to understand where these certain specialties coexist and and how do we pull people together. So it's kind of you act as a bit of a a global conductor to how we bring these different skill sets together to create something that's unified in the end. All right. All right. The thing about architecture, I've noticed that, you know, it's it's a form of engineering. There is a philosophy and design. There is messaging in, you know, the final piece that's been done as a building. But now it looks like there's another pillar that has to be thrown in, the messaging of social responsibility. Where does B plus H stand on that? And I'm sure this is something that's quite big, especially in the hospitality sector as well. Social responsibility is definitely one of the core values that B plus H would would have. And and, and there's different ways to approach that. One of the ways that we found to be very strong in terms of a strong influencing force within our design is actually using community engagement. And that's slightly different approach. In Asia, there's a tendency to have sort of this architect or this idea of the architect is really one one hand, one, you know, creative generator of ideas. Ideas, but when you start to talk about social responsibility and opening that dialogue to other users of the building, stakeholders, the city, community members as well, it starts to be a little bit more of a collective co-creation process. Mm. And I think that happens more in institutional buildings, but we are seeing it in other sectors as well. I mean, in terms of hospitality, We've seen, you know, the the selection of interior finishes to be more local, to have a contextual response to, you know, where we're actually designing. There was a tendency where in hospitality, the brands were so dominant that they wanted to make sure that yeah. wherever they were, they were sort of an imprint of that brand and what that interior space might look like. But now the brands are really realizing that they're a certain aspect of their brand that gets recontextualized depending on where their, you know, their hotel might be, which I think is quite interesting. It would be kind of boring if you had an affinity to one brand in every place that you went and you traveled to that operator or that brand and all the hotels look the same, which back in the late 90s, a lot of hotel operators still had that kind of methodology. Does this emphasis on uh, social responsibility, does it change the textbooks in architecture? And I'm saying that simply because I saw a video recently about how the Sagrada Familia in uh, Barcelona is almost completed and 
Anthony Gaudi taking over 100 years to do this. No more such thing. No, I, I know. Actually, I was there earlier this year in Barcelona yeah. and saw that. It is actually incredible. I think, you know, really the processes that we have right now for construction is, is quite huge. And even the documentation, the more detailed design work, we're finding that even skipping some of those steps where a very detailed 3D model can go mm-hmm. straight into manufacturing. Mm-hmm. We're seeing 3D printing at a much larger scale using things like even earth being pushed through a 3D printer to make a single family home. You know, we, we see the, the rapid deployment of the software like Dassault and other software that comes from more an aviation background to do quick rapid to, uh, prototyping and kind of circumventing things like the shop drawing process and the detailed construction drawing. So I think will be, you know, much faster. The onslaught of modular prefabrication, doing a lot of building of, you know, whether it's hotel rooms, bathrooms, things that are sort of repetitive mm-hmm. and have a high level of construction tolerances that they can control that kind of quality in a factory and be brought to site. You've seen that. That's also another aspect where in Asia is a little bit more advanced than other parts of the world. And I'm guessing uh, all of these are going to be topics for discussion at the World Architecture Festival. Of course, that's happening today, the 30th of November. What else are you looking forward to at WAF? You know, I'm always uh, interested in, in the different categories of seeing what the world's best. So from a hospitality standpoint, we'll see, you know, out of the hundreds of design proposals that, that go through, it's a bit of a, a critique forum that okay. uh, Paul Finch has set up at, at WAF, where, but it's just neat to see a collection of you know, the world's best projects brought together all under one roof. But also there's a social component to the festival and especially coming out of COVID and the festival not having been held in Singapore for 10 years. It's just an opportunity to see colleagues and socialize and network and and build relationships that we haven't had to form to do so in quite a long time. What does that say about the architecture scene in Singapore, in your opinion? I mean, considering Singapore has had quite a bit of projects in Dubai, for example, of the best buildings there. Yeah, I mean, Singapore as a whole, I mean, is, Singapore I mean, is definitely cutting edge in terms of many of the buildings yeah. that have been built recently, you know, blending indoor and outdoor. Singapore is definitely, if you look at even the fact that how the, the festival's being held here, the Council for Tall Buildings had their festival or conference being held here just a, about a month ago. Mm. So Singapore really is becoming sort of a magnet. There's sort of a gravitational pull to the city to see what's going on and definitely a hospitable meeting place. Patrick, final question, and it's about B plus H Architects. What are the plans for 2024 and beyond? Definitely want to continue to grow as a global practice. There's a lot of focus in terms of global knowledge sharing, how do we promote our design culture, I think the way in which we work with the larger SJ group and the team of, as well as other architects and engineers, I think that how we streamline our design process as well as go after some major commissions. So we've we've got a targeted approach in terms of based on a sector strategy with regards to looking at high rise, more luxury, residential and hospitality in North America and potentially in Europe and, and the Middle East, as well as expanding into Asia. 
Asia. We're also looking at really kind of a, a renew and reposition team mm -hmm. that will look at taking advantage of the embodied carbon in existing buildings and how do we repurpose that or look at adaptive reuse to give a really a second meaning or a second life to a lot of existing buildings. Wow, it's certainly going to be quite exciting. I've been speaking with Patrick Feyer, who's the CEO of B Plus H Architects. Patrick, I appreciate your time. Take care and have a great Thursday evening. Great. Thank you, Elliot. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.